Welcome to From Florida, where you'll learn how minds are connecting, great ideas are colliding, and groundbreaking innovation is becoming a reality because of the University of Florida. I'm your host, Nikki Brown, and we have a very special guest today, University of Florida President Kent Fox, who's going to share his thoughts about our university and its rise to a top five ranking. Dr. Fox became the 12th president of the University of Florida in January 2015. He previously was provost of Cornell University and has served in academic leadership positions and as a faculty member of electrical and computer engineering at Cornell, Purdue, and the University of Illinois. In addition to his doctorate from the University of Illinois, President Fox holds a Master of Divinity degree from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. He is a fellow of the American Academy of Arts and Sciences, the American Association for the Advancement of Science, the Institute of Electrical and Electronics Engineers, and the Association for Computing Machinery. Welcome, President Fox. It's terrific to have you as our guest today. Thank you, Nikki. It's uh, great to be here. Now, you set the University of Florida on a path to a top five ranking at the start of your presidency in 2015. In fact, during your inauguration speech, you challenged us to think of a University of Florida that, and I quote, has the same acclaim in academics as athletics and that the nation looks to for leadership in both areas. You did not hesitate in stating the goal, we will be among the nation's top five public research universities. What made you believe UF could rise to this level? The university for a number of years had had a goal of being amongst the nation's top 10 universities uh, all the way back to President J. Hillis Miller, who in 1948, in his inauguration address, said that the nation deserved a university in the state of Florida that was amongst the top 10 to 12 universities in the nation. Now, it took us a number of years to get to that point, to be amongst the top 10. And indeed, uh, before I was recruited to come to the University of Florida, uh, the university had already made a lot of progress in, in establishing metrics that it believed would indeed be important to achieve and to make progress on, to be amongst the nation's top 10. And so I had the privilege of riding on that momentum. And when I was interviewed and did my own assessment, and then in my first year, uh, just decided that top 10 wasn't ambitious enough. We were going to get there probably within a few years, and we needed a, a goal that would be more aspirational. So indeed, we looked at the metrics, we looked at other universities that would be considered amongst the top five, and we felt that we could get there. And the state, again, deserved it, and the nation deserved the university in the state of Florida that was considered amongst the top five. So we indeed established that as, as our new goal, even before we had moved into the uh, top 10 of university rankings. Well, and speaking of aiming high, you have a great partner in Mori Hosseini, Chair of the Board of Trustees. How has Chair Hosseini helped develop and drive this vision? Mr. Hosseini is just truly unique, I think nationally, in just how he has worked so hard on behalf of higher education for the state of Florida. He was the Chair of the Board of Governors for the state university system before he was on our board and then was appointed to our board and then was vice chair and now is indeed chair. So he spends an enormous amount of time with our elected officials. Uh, I know this past week actually he was in Washington, D.C., working on behalf of higher ed broadly uh, and specifically for the state of Florida and certainly for the University of Florida, as well as other universities, including Embry-Riddle University, from which he actually graduated in the area of aeronautical engineering. He has uh, done several things, not only 
does he make the case for higher ed and the University of Florida with those that are supporters of the university, particularly elected officials, but he also holds us within the university accountable to making progress on metrics that we decide on that are important, important for the student body, uh, important for faculty, important for indeed the reputation of the university. So he's he is really, really focused on the University of Florida in just continuing to make progress on what we broadly call its stature. It's this combination of its excellence and its uh, reputation nationally. He's just laser focused on that. And he spends more time than anyone I've ever met on a volunteer basis working on behalf of higher ed. It's in, in addition to all the companies that for which he's responsible for during his day job. So can you share a little more about these specific things that the university did to make a difference in its ranking evaluation? Yeah, the University of Florida is really metric driven, more so than any place I've, I've been. And, and I'm a, an engineer by background, so I, I love numbers and trends and graphs and tables uh, and charts. Uh, but we, we track over 100 different metrics across the institution. Uh, some of them are sort of inputs to the university. Examples of that would be the size of the endowment of the university. Um, we also track outputs. So an output example of that would be uh, the, the, uh, the prestigious awards that our, our faculty may achieve on an international or national basis. Uh, things like uh, graduation rates of uh, students that have financial need. What percentage of those that start at the University of Florida actually get a, a university degree. So we have about a hundred of these different metrics that, that we measure. And we would do that regardless of whether there were any rankings based on that, because we believe it's important to see how we're doing and the progress or lack of progress that we're making. And secondly, uh, to be able to compare ourselves to others. And many of these, the, this information you can get from uh, public databases, uh, some of them federal, so we're able to measure ourselves against other institutions, sort of, sort of doing our own internal rankings. And so it just it's natural for us to take those metrics and look at, at how uh, different rankings are established and, and then to measure our progress against those metrics, not only the ones that we've already been measuring this hundred, but also how those then map into to rankings. So a degree from the University of Florida not only has high value, but importantly, is incredibly affordable, which of course translates to students being better positioned to capitalise on their educations. What can you tell us about the partnership with state leaders that has made this possible? The, the state of Florida is, I believe, one of the most generous of the states in terms of the state government and the citizens of the state investing in higher education. And because of that, we're able to keep our tuition incredibly low, lower than any universities outside of the state of Florida. So to get a degree from the University of Florida, typically as an undergraduate, it would take uh, four years or eight semesters. Uh, an academic year tuition is about 6800 in terms of tuition in, and fees. And uh, that's about, about roughly 10% of what it would be in terms of tuition at a private university, like where I was before I came to the University of Florida. So that is just incredibly affordable. And then on top of that, there's state financial aid. There's aid, financial aid from um, the university itself uh, that we achieve through philanthropy and, and our endowment. So uh, coming to the University of Florida and getting a degree from the University of Florida, we believe should never ever 
be limited by a person's financial means. Uh, and uh, if you have the ability to be admitted to the University of Florida, then we're going to work our hardest to make sure that you actually graduate and that you graduate with almost no debt. Only a third of our students have any debt of any kind when, when they graduate. And of those third that, that have a debt when they graduate, it's less than $20,000 that they have on, on average. So our students in general have no debt. I, I know I went to college many, many years ago, graduated in 1977. And uh, when I graduated, the, the equivalent debt that I would have today adjusted for inflation is about $50,000. So it just it's so different here at the University of Florida than it is at most other universities outside of the state of Florida. And it is indeed due to the generosity of donors that assist with financial aid and su sustain the programs at the university, and then indeed the financial resources that the state invests. And then we demonstrate in return a return on that investment. So it is wonderful to be able to say we're a top five university and we have this ranking and the students were so excited about it. But what does it actually mean uh, for students, staff, faculty, researchers, and our alumni? You know, what I tell our alumni and our current students, it means that their degrees or the degrees they're going to get are more valuable uh, because when people think of the University of Florida, they see that on your diploma, they're going to realize that you achieved that degree from a university that was one of the very best in, in the nation um, and, and recognizes. So the, the rankings really are just a recognition of the quality of the institution. But it's also does several other things. One, it's a reflection of real metrics that are meaningful. For example, social mobility, uh, the indeed uh, graduation rates, the selectivity in terms of the rank of, of students in their high school that, that come to the University of Florida. You're your peers, you'll be networked for the rest of your life with people that are just incredibly, incredibly talented. It also has benefits uh, for the, the state of Florida in terms of attracting companies that want to be in a state where higher ed is valued, where higher ed is, is incredibly uh, high quality uh, and rankings uh, affect the perception of companies that may want to be here. And then lastly, I believe it actually affects the perception of people that want to move here. Uh, and live in the state of Florida. They want to live in a state where their children or they themselves will have the ability to go to a university or a college that is equal to any others in around around the nation. So we're in some sense we're we're changing the perception that people have about uh, higher ed. Our, our state is a relatively new state, state of Florida, uh, and uh, we don't have the the history of uh, a lot of other other parts of our nation that are a couple hundred years older than, than we are, uh, but we're rapidly making a progress across the state in all of the public universities uh, with the University of Florida leading that, leading that mission. You touched upon this a little bit, but um, we are, of course, a comprehensive land-grant university. Do you think that people have a strong understanding of what it means to be a, a land-grant and how that benefits them and the you know, people in the community? Yeah, we, we have this heritage uh, that uh, the university was, was created as part of the, the nation's land-grant initiative uh, to be a place where people from any economic means could come and uh, learn skills, get an education that would benefit them in their career. And that started out in agriculture and what then was called the mechanic arts. Uh, we would call that today uh, engineering. So those, those are indeed our, our roots. And we, we 
focus on that. We have one of the very, very best and largest agriculture programs, for example, in the en entire nation uh, that just makes a huge impact on natural resources and, and the ability to feed the world, much of that coming from the state of Florida. But in addition to that, we're a truly, truly comprehensive university, one of the most comprehensive in the nation, 16 colleges spanning not just agriculture and engineering, which were our roots, but the fine and visual and performing arts, medicine, and then everything else you might imagine in between. We also are, are an academic uh, uh, health center here at the University of Florida. We actually own our own hospitals. We have one of the, the largest hospital systems that are centered right here in the University of Florida and associated with that would be programs such as in public health or in pharmacy or, or dentistry and nursing. And, and then we have veterinary medicine uh, with animal hospitals uh, here in Gainesville and, and then programs across the state. When a student is looking for a place to study, I almost always am certain that we're going to be able to offer that program because of how, how comprehensive we are. Or if there's some grand challenge that's facing our state, our nation, or indeed our world, we're going to have faculty that have, have expertise in addressing that. They've dedicated their lives to working on it. And anything from a pandemic to uh, an issue in, say, political science, uh, world peace, or anything else you can imagine, we have, we have faculty working on that. And I, I find that exciting, not just from, say, a, a faculty perspective, but also from a student perspective. That that they have a passion, if, they, if a student has an interest, there's going to be a, a faculty member that is going to be one of the world's experts on that. So really a driver of innovation. Absolutely. And I would say innovation that obviously affects the economy. And we have uh, some of the most incredible incubator and startup facilities in, in the world, right, right here associated with the University of Florida. But innovation in, in, in the other areas, uh, the, in the humanities and the social sciences, as well as areas of what are thought of as STEM, the science and technology and engineering and, and math. You mentioned the state of Florida and, of course, Gainesville, but the Southeast, how do you think having a top five public university benefits the Southeast? Well, having lived in, in the Midwest for many years um, in Illinois and, uh, and actually having gone to, to graduate school there and, and been a faculty member and both in Chicago and Urbana-Champaign and then having lived and, and been an academic leader in, in the Northeast and in the state of New York, uh, and then spent a fair amount of time out in California. I know there's a, there, there is a national historical perception that maybe the Southeast and maybe the South in, in general just doesn't value higher ed as much as, say, uh, New England or maybe uh, the Midwest. One of our, our goals is to change that perception that indeed the universities in the Southeast and the South uh, compete heads up with those in other parts of, of our nation. The rankings uh, can influence that perception uh, and indeed uh, the accomplishments of graduates can influence that perception and indeed the, the work of the faculty and, and others uh, that, that make a difference nationally uh, will change that perception. I think it's the, the hardest part is to indeed change a reputation uh, or perception, uh, but we're making progress. And I'm proud to say that uh, the University of Florida is one of those national leaders that is, in, that is changing the perception of higher ed in, in the Southeast. 
Well, speaking of perceptions, how are the public universities that are ranked above us, so UCLA, UC Berkeley, University of Michigan and the University of Virginia, different from UF? And what do you think it will take for us to rise even higher in the rankings of public universities? Yeah, those those five universities have been ranked amongst the top five from the very beginning of, of ranking, so many, many decades. And they're all excellent, as are dozens and dozens of just wonderful universities uh, across the United States. I think our greatest asset, and I'm biased, but I think our greatest asset as a nation is the quality of its colleges and its universities. There are 4,000 colleges and universities, and we're talking about the the ranking of the research universities, of which there are a couple hundred of of those. So for the University of Florida, we, we do have some distinctive attributes I would say the most obvious would indeed be the how comprehensive we are. Those other universities do not have, for example, ag- agriculture programs, what we call our Institute for Food and Agriculture Sciences and the extension programs that we have in every one of our, our counties and, and the natural resources that those faculty uh, work on and, and work to de- develop and sustain. The fact that our 16 colleges span all these different areas makes us fairly distinctive. All those universities are, are comprehensive, but we have a, a distinctive uh, characteristic to them. The second characteristic would just be how low our tuition is. We're dramatically lower than all of the other universities in the top 10 by any metric, and that is a, a distinctive attribute. But then thirdly, uh, the investment by our state. We're the only university in the nation over the last few years, last couple of years, that has grown its faculty by 500, not just hired 500 faculty, but actually grew the faculty by 500. And we're adding another 100 faculty in the next year, year and a half around artificial intelligence. And so that gives you a distinctive nature of this trajectory that we're on that will indeed be one of excellence, but also of what I would call stature. It's it's comparative excellence. So I don't wish any university to, to slip in the rankings, but we are committed as an institution to sustain our top five rankings and, and, and to move up uh, in the perception and in the mind's eye of, of everyone, the broad public, as well as our, our peers nationally. And I think when it comes to AI, it's important for us to recognize that it is infused across the curriculum as well. This is not just a standalone, and that's probably another distinction as well. Our initiative on artificial intelligence is one in which we're we're not trying to compete uh, with those universities that for many decades have led in artificial intelligence, narrowly focused, say, on computer science. Examples of that would be Carnegie Mellon University or, or Stanford or, or MIT, we want to compete and actually lead in having, as, as you said, Nikki, artificial intelligence embedded in our curriculum across every one of our 200 academic departments, every one of our 16 colleges, so that every graduate, no matter whether they're undergraduate or a master's or a doctorate degree or another professional degree, will have had AI as part of their curriculum, and they will be, as as we're describing, enabled to be a part of the workforce that relies and actually develops AI in in their field and understands it. 
the risks and, and the opportunities around AI. It's, it's exciting to see the, the College of uh, the Arts uh, recruiting faculty in AI or the, the College of uh, Public Health and Health Professions. Every one of those 16 colleges is, as we speak, interviewing and hiring faculty in AI specific to their discipline. Terrific. The University of Florida is now ranked 28th amongst both public and private universities. Why do you think it's important to be competitive with both types of institutions? And what's your goal for UF's status in the combined public-private ranking? Yeah, I don't think I'm, I'm ready yet to announce <laughs> a, a, a new, new ranking goal because we're still celebrating just all the progress of the past 10 years or so. But it is important when we think of, of students uh, or our employees, uh, including a faculty, most of, most of them don't distinguish between a, a public university versus a private university. Again, I, I came to the University of Florida from a private university, although it was still land grant. It had agriculture and had the same kind of, of heritage. Therefore, since we're competitive, we are competing with not just publics, and, and that top five ranking is amongst the nation's very best public universities, but, but those that are, that are private. Um, and some of the privates are quite different than the University of Florida. Probably the obvious would just be the size of, of the student body. If you're a, a student at, at Princeton or, or Yale, at, at Princeton, the number of students is, is less than 10,000 total. At, at Yale, it's a slightly more than that. So there you're going to have a student body that's, say, 20% the size of, of our student body. And some of the, the rankings actually are normalized by the number of students. So in other words, it's, for example, the resources you have per student. And so if you have 55,000 students like we do, compared to maybe eight or 9,000 at Princeton, it's, it's hard for us to, to have the same amount of resources. And it's hard not just for us, but for any public university, because almost always they're going to have a larger, larger student body. But even though some of those metrics don't work as well for, for public universities, we still have to compete for students. We compete for faculty. We compete for employees. We compete for grants. Philanthropy just heads up with all those uh, the most prestigious privates as well as the publics. Amongst the, the publics, rarely are they uh, ranked in, uh, in the top 20. I believe this year, uh, the highest public was ranked number 20. We were 28 uh, amongst the privates and, and publics. That is one of those areas that uh, I, I believe the publics have opportunities to, to have reputations that are equal to the, the very best privates. And that's that's one of our aspirations. So to be specific, it is to move up in, in that rankings of privates and publics combined. I see we did get you to make a goal for us, but we'll get we'll stand by for a few more. So speaking of uh, celebrating and uh, setting ourselves goals, in 2019, you tweeted a, a note to self in which you said you'd ask the faculty if you could cancel classes for a day-long celebration if the University of Florida reached the top five. Well, we're there now, and I understand there's something in the works. So for those who may have missed it, can you update us? Yes, we that, that tweet has been repeated back to me by our students. I, I'm not sure I didn't I didn't know they they noticed it from a couple of years ago, but they did. And and as soon as the rankings came out the next day, they were hoping that classes would be uh, canceled that week. I think some of them must have had exams or papers due that week. It turns out 
that the university president can close the entire university, uh, send the employees home, cancel classes, uh, if there's an emergency like a hurricane or, or if we were up north, a, a snowstorm. But for discretionary reasons, such as celebrations, I can't do that. I don't have that sole power. So I do have to, by our university policy, consult with the colleges and the faculty senate, and which we are doing. And we picked a date in February, first week of the end of the first week of February, beginning actually at the second week of February, in which we will have a, a day of celebration and a day also of gratitude, just gratitude for all the contributions of everyone for, at that point, nearly two years of the pandemic. So gratitude to our healthcare workers, our employees, our students uh, for the success we've all had as an institution and individually over the past two years. And uh, I am uh, going to the Faculty Senate and asking them to, to cancel classes on, on that day. It'll be a Wednesday, in the, the second Wednesday in, in the month of, of February. We're also going to roll into that a reflection on our university's values, which we have not had as much visibility as, as I have wanted. So a couple of years ago, we established a set of values around excellence and curiosity and support of one another. And we're going to work that in as well. So reflection, gratitude, and hopefully a lot of fun with food trucks and maybe a concert and, and other things. And with any luck, no classes on that day. Well, it definitely sounds like something to look forward to. I have one final question if you're open to it. Rankings are important, but they're certainly not everything. With the UF community and, and Gator alumni having just celebrated homecoming, I would love to know what you most appreciate and cherish about the University of Florida. One of my favorite things to do when, when I give a talk uh, to members of our community, including alumni, is to start with what are the things that they would like not to change at the University of Florida? Because often presidents talk about things we want to change and, and make better or, or, or make new. Uh, and uh, there, there's a long list of attributes of the University of Florida that alumni and those of us that are here today uh, cherish. I, I think the, the most important one for me that I very much uh, am working hard that we not change is to avoid us becoming competitive with one another's in a negative way as we indeed enhance our reputation and, and our stature. So to say it another way, that this is an institution that has been thought of historically as one where people support each other, care about each other, uh, a place that where we work hard, but yet have a lot of fun. And to me, I want to continue that. And if anything, double down on it as our stature enhances. Sounds wonderful. That joy of discovery. And I guess it's always great to be a Florida Gator. That's right. Well, thank you so much, President Fox, for being our guest. We do appreciate it. And uh, we very much value your leadership of the university we love. Listeners, thank you for joining us for an episode of From Florida, where we share the stories of faculty, researchers, students, and administrators whose thought leadership is moving our state, our nation, and our world forward. I'm your host, Nikki Brown, and I hope you'll return for our next story of innovation from Florida. <laughs>